This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. MoDOT says this will be one of the busiest road construction seasons in state's history. For the best Memphis-style barbecue in the state, Pappy's in St. Louis has been around for 15 years and voted some of the best in the country. Plus, tips from Pappy's owner John Matthews for your Memorial Day barbecuing. This summer, tourists will be able to visit the Ozarks in Washington, D.C. The culture, food, and history of the region will be the subject of this year's Folk Life Festival by the Smithsonian on display at the National Mall. Caitlin McConnell, editor of Ozarks Alive, updates Ashley Bird about the project. Amping up quickly for this year's Smithsonian Folk Life Festival. It'll be held at the end of June and early July of this year in Washington, D.C. And it's been really exciting uh, over the last, you know, really two years or so to be observing and part of the planning process for this, since it's going to be focused on the Ozarks this year, which is the first time um, that the region itself has been one of these focuses. Um, And, you know, it's going to be, I think, a really good opportunity, both for people here locally to kind of get energized and, uh, you know, excited together about the culture and different things that they represent from that, but also on the national stage, being able to bring that to a wider audience in D.C. will be really cool. So people who go to D.C., if they're not familiar with this, this Folk Life project, how is the Ozarks going to be presented? This year in particular, they have two different themes that run the course of the festival. There are the Ozarks and then there's Living Religions. And so both of these programs will exist in different parts of the National Mall, you know, the area between the Washington Monument and the Capitol Building in D.C. And will each have their own space. And so you'll kind of go through... You know, it technically is called a festival. It's not so much a festival like we think of in the Ozarks for craft festivals and things like that. But it is in the, I guess, the sense that you have individuals who are demonstrating things. So you might have some musicians or you might have a blacksmith or you might have um, quilters, different things like that, where you can go around and learn more about the tradition, ask questions, things like that. And with Ozarks Alive, your your website and uh, your gathering and archives with Ozarks Alive how would people walk away who don't know about the Ozarks? What what would they think? What are they carrying with them? You know, I think the answer today might be different than I would have said five or 10 years ago. Um, it really feels like in the last few years, the Ozarks, whether it's good or bad or accurate or not, has gotten more of a buzz on the national stage. You've had TV shows like Ozark, other things in the media that have kind of painted a particular image of what the Ozarks is. And I think that I would hope, given that a lot of people have some context, or at least that word in their mind anyway, of what that means, I would hope that they would come away from the festival realizing there's more to the region than they understood before. And, you know, whether it is the traditions or it is the depth of generational things being passed down from one, you know, your mother to your grandmother to your daughter, those sorts of ties for different things, um, and that maybe their impression of it a certain way wasn't entirely accurate. Maybe that would lead them to learn more after they leave the festival to broaden their understanding even more. What have you found so far and what what have you guys put together? You're part of the team who are putting together all of this for the Smithsonian, correct? That's right. Yeah, I've been really fortunate to be kind of on the the team and this kind of the sidelines part of the group uh, talking this through the last couple of years. And, you know, it's been really interesting to, to learn more myself. I mean, this is I've discovered people and things that I didn't know about before, which has been fantastic. 
but also kind of having this um, hive mind of like talking through what it means to be in the Ozarks and what should be representative of the region on a national scale has been really cool too, because, you know, the Ozarks is even more than just Southwest Missouri and Northwest Arkansas, right? It's technically five states. And so you, you know, the geographical definition, you have Illinois, Oklahoma, Kansas, and then of course, Northwest Arkansas, Southwest Missouri. And, and the way that the festival, it, you know, it's based on culture. So it definitely vast majority of what we're going to talk about has to do with Southwest Missouri, Northwest Arkansas, but it does get into Oklahoma some too. And so getting to talk through all those questions, like what, what is the best approach? Um, how are we going to, to talk about that? Um, I think that that's, I know it's made me think it. I think it's made everybody think too, who's been part of the team. We're talking with Caitlin McConnell here on Show Me Today uh, of Ozarks Alive. So to get that flavor, you can go to Ozarks Alive uh, on on just Google it. You know, an interesting thing about who ultimately was chosen is that they represent niche things, but they also, in some other senses, are tried try to be generalist. You know, you try to be able to show um, as much as you can with certain people because there is a very limited number of people who are ultimately going. I, I don't know. Uh, what the final count was, but it's, you know, less than 100, um, somewhere in that figure. So you think about representing multiple traditions over an entire region, you know, that, unfortunately, it's not nearly as many people as we would like to have seen end up going. As I do with Ozarks Alive stories, you know, every person represents a different story. And it's been really cool to see some of the ones come together for this particular program. You know, you have things like the Brockwell Gospel Music School down in Arkansas that is a shape note singing school that's been going every summer since I think 1947. So it's a long standing tradition in Northwest Arkansas that they're going to be sending some people to do some demonstrations and sing um, for some programs. You have groups like the Creek Rocks, which is a big favorite here in Southwest Missouri, Northwest Arkansas, Mark Ballou, who's from a longtime music family here in Springfield and his wife, Cindy Wolf, they're going to be playing and are involved in, you know, music with a lot of other people, too. So there may be some impromptu um, groups break out, too. Who knows? When it goes into other categories, you know, we, we talk, like I said, there's music, there's crafts. So some of those things like the blacksmith and the quilting and things like that. You also have foodways. And, and for us in particular, you know, there are some foodways that are devoted to cooking and, and different um, meal preparation and things like that. But there's also the concept of foraging and gathering and growing different plants, which is obviously a huge thing here in the Ozarks. And so that's going to be really exciting to have, you know, a, a variety of people um, there as part of the program who can help educate and kind of speak to what it means to forage, what it means to grow different things and kind of help spread that awareness, too. Are you going to bring any pawpaws? <laughs> You know, I have not heard anything about that. Um, probably not, just because I know with pawpaws, it's like they're ripe for five minutes, basically, and then they go bad. So it would be a difficult thing. I guess morel mushrooms, that would be a fun one okay. too, right? That's true. That would be another thing to talk about. Oh, wow. This sounds like fun. So is the Smithsonian paying for all these folks to go up there? The funding comes together from a variety of sources. You know, the key partner in this um effort is Missouri State University Libraries, which is kind of how I got involved in the program through them. But you also have a number of other key partners, both in Arkansas and Missouri, who are providing funding to be able to offset the expenses associated with this. So it's not like the participants are paying their way. They are funded to go and were chosen because of their background and skill sets. And that's what qualified them to be part of the festival. 
You know, with your Ozarks Alive on online, I mean, people could just watch that and read that, right? Have a slideshow of it as, you know, get up your own kiosk, couldn't you? <laughs> well, I, I'm really fortunate, you know, I've been able to help with some of the information and some photography. So hopefully, you know, people do get a in an extension of what they're seeing on the mall, I'm certainly not the only person who's shared information and photos, but it's been really cool to be just one little piece of that effort. It's definitely going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be an experience that we all kind of look back at as, you know, a, a pivotal moment, you know, whether it is sharing information on a national stage or just creating more excitement here at home. And that's something I'm definitely in favor of, you know, helping people realize the value in appreciating and preserving Ozark's culture, which is ultimately what I really hope happens out of this. We always look forward to these regular visits with you, Caitlin McConnell, and the work with Ozark's Alive. We'll talk to you again on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Many business owners and entrepreneurs today are drowning in unsecured debt and just can't stop incurring more. Business Debtors Anonymous is a 12-step recovery program where you will receive support for doing business and living life without incurring new unsecured debt. Business Debtors Anonymous offers meetings every day where members support one another to help them stop incurring new unsecured debt. You're not alone. Visit helpfordebtors.org. That's helpfordebtors.org. AA made all the difference in my life. I noticed that most of the goals I had as a kid were slipping by. I didn't feel like the person I hoped to be. After all those years of drinking, I, I really didn't know myself. When I was out there drinking, I was always looking for the next great party to make me feel all right. With AA, I found a better way of life. And I feel good in my everyday life, even without a drink in my hand. Visit aa.org for more information and download the Meeting Guide app to find a meeting near you. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, can potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. 
The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Welcome back to Show Me Today. Thousands of workers will be on Missouri's roads this summer. Uh, Lisa Nelson talks with MoDOT Deputy Director Ed Hassinger, who says this summer will be one of the busiest road construction seasons in the history of the department. It is that time of year when um, our construction season really kicks into high gear and our maintenance and operations folks are out doing their jobs and that means a lot of work zones on the highways um, both for our internal crews and for our contractors that are doing the contract work around the state so we're going to have one of the busiest seasons that we've had construction wise um, probably in the history of MoDOT We've got um, over, we've already put over $1.8 billion worth of uh, construction contracts under contract this year. And we have $3 billion worth of work under contract total. So you're going to see um, work zones across the state, you know, ranging from bridge work to basic resurfacing. And then the MoDOT crews, the big yellow trucks, you're going to see them out doing the, um, you know, the routine maintenance and preventive maintenance that we do. And then we do a lot of the heavier work on our lowest volume roads across the state. So, you know, you're going to see everything from the biggest construction projects like 270 in St. Louis and Buck O'Neill in Kansas City and Rochport in the middle of the state to us working on, you know, our low volume roads with, um, resurfacing through the governor's uh, $100 million program on low-volume roads to our crews doing a lot of preventive maintenance. So we would ask that people really watch out. And I'd say the best thing to do is if you go to the MoDOT Traveler app, you can see where these work zones are. And the best thing is just to avoid them completely. But if, if they are in your path and you're traversing a work zone you need to pay attention they're dangerous places um you know we've had a lot of work zone fatalities over the last five years um you know i think over 90 people have died in work zone crashes and um over the last uh five years and people just need to really pay attention the best thing you can do is avoid them but if you have to pay attention slow down follow the signs make sure you put your phone down and uh, be careful in those work zones. Now, I hear what you're saying about trying to avoid. If you can't avoid, what, um, which ones do you think are going to be like the most, the ones that are like the most pain in the butt? Well, we always kind of try to identify those that are on some of our busiest traveled corridors that have a lot of traffic that are probably going to be kind of issues. And, you know, some of those are ongoing that people already kind of know about and probably have figured out how to navigate. But certainly, you know, more impacts are coming on Buck O'Neill in Kansas City, one that's on 169, 270 is in its final year in St. Louis. We're doing uh, a lot of heavy 
reconstruction of I-44 between St. James and Rolla. Um, and then we're doing a lot of bridge replacement on 44, kind of south towards Springfield and, and Joplin. Um, so, you know, those are some of the some of the biggest ones that probably have the higher traffic volumes. And then, you know, we're going to kick in with a lot of resurfacing projects um, on some of our interstates and, and uh, U.S. numbered routes around the state, too. So, you know, those have shorter time spans when they're active. But um, and we try to work those in the higher traffic volume areas at night or in the off peak so that we have the least inconvenience to traffic. You were talking about work zone fatalities over the past five years, which uh, you said, what was it, more than 100 that you said? Um, In the last five years, we've had about 92 people killed in work zones and over 4,300 that were injured. You know, and and the vast majority of those are, are, are motorists. Certainly, we've had some tragedy with some of our workers and construction workers, but, um, you know, people need to pay attention in those because, you know, you have you run into a big piece of equipment. The outcome is not good for for us or them. Is that primarily what seems to be the most dangerous job for your workers is like the the road construction and like pothole patching versus the mowing, the flooding events, the winter weather events? Yeah, I mean, certainly anything where we have or our contractors have boots on the ground, we're very cognizant of that. And we, you know, we put protective trucks out and we try to make those work zones as safe, both for the motorist and for our folks or the contractors folks. So, you know, the big yellow trucks with the big crash cushions on the back, you know, you can't miss them. They're almost as big as a house and they got flashing lights all over them. And yet, um, Last year, we had 36 of those trucks struck, and year before that, we had sick over 60. Um, and it's purely because people are driving too fast and they're distracted. They're not paying attention to what they're doing in work zones. Um, so we're doing everything we can to protect the workers on the ground, but also trying to get the word out to to people. When you're in those work zones, you really need to pay attention, and you really need to, you know, watch what you're doing. Driving's the primary function and obey the speed limits and those signs that we put up, you know, with work zone speed limits are there for a reason. That is concerning that um, so many of those trucks are getting hit. Are they happening mostly in um, the heavier traveled areas or does it really vary? Um, certainly the exposure is greater where the traffic volumes are higher. I don't think there's any question about that. So, you know, the most common operations that they get hit are pothole patching when we're um, sweeping um, like median walls in our bigger urban areas or in Columbia, you know, where we have a median barrier down the middle of the interstate um, and striping operations, you know, stripe, we stripe every road in the state and those are slow moving operations and you know you come up on those and we try to give as much warning as we can but people just really aren't paying attention it's kind of scary it's really scary for our folks that are doing that job so uh as far as pothole patching goes have you uh been repairing uh uh, quite a bit I'm, i'm curious uh if 
you've had pretty standard as far as uh, the number of potholes have been patched this year, or if it's higher, lower? You know what? Um, Potholes are directly related to winter weather, and we had a relatively mild winter. And so that means we had a relatively good season for potholes. We probably, um, to date, we spent about $7.5 million statewide and patched about 250,000 potholes. But in a normal year, we usually are patching over maybe 800,000 and spending twice that much money. So actually, this year has been uh, uh, a pleasant surprise on that front, I guess, for us. So that means we get to use those crews' time to do, you know, more preventive maintenance and do some of the other things that we uh, need to get done out there on the highways. So that's that's good news. Nice. Okay. Okay, I got a random question for you. I saw a story in Omaha. Um, toilet paper has been used there for crack ceilings on asphalt to avoid potholes. Have you heard of that? Have you heard of toilet paper being used for this reason? Well, I've heard of, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, you know, when we, one of the things we do, and that's when I said our crews do preventive maintenance, we go out and try to seal roads and bridge decks up so water doesn't get in them because that's what causes potholes. So, you know, we usually will go out and either, you know, do a chip seal on the entire road to seal up the cracks, or we'll go out and pour those cracks with um, a sealant. And you have to kind of put a a blotter on that so it doesn't track and get all over people's cars. So a lot of times we'll use sawdust or, or uh, you know, small rock chips or something like that. But yeah, I've, I've seen that done. We don't We don't do that, but I've seen it. All right, so you don't use the old Scott or Charmin then? <laughs> no, we don't. That, that's that's not in our arsenal. All right. MoDOT Deputy Director Ed Hassinger joins Show Me Today. He's here to talk about road construction, pothole patching, and the mowing seasons. So as far as um, do you know roughly how many workers will be helping with some of your uh, with your road construction projects during this busy season? Well, you know, um, every day MoDOT has between 2,500 and 3,000 people on the ground that are doing the the MoDOT maintenance operations. Those are the employees of MoDOT. And then, of course, all of our construction is contracted to private contractors. And, you know, that varies by what's going on on any given day. But, um, you know, we are probably employing, you know, maybe on any given day, a a couple thousand contract employees across the state that are building those projects. So the combination probably, I'm going to say, is somewhere between four and 5,000 people between the MoDOT team and the contractor teams that are out there working on the ground every day. That's a whole lot going on. Sounds like you got a busy season, so I hope you stay hydrated and um, that your workers stay safe and uh, they get a nice tan. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks a lot. If you want to hear more, subscribe to Show Me Today on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. 
It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You try. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We're on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri, named Best Ribs in America by the Food Network and Best Barbecue in Missouri by Southern Living, Pappy's Smokehouse. If you have never been, you need to make a trip there. Uh, when we head over to St. Louis, uh, not 
every time we try to spread the wealth, but we do <laughs> make it a point to get there. Uh, a great, fast, casual, Memphis-style barbecue restaurant. Joining us is John Matthews. John, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Well, what How are we is, doing? How is everybody? Everybody's doing well. And we're talking about barbecue, so you can't go wrong. Now, look, I can I've, talk about barbecue. Yeah, well, good. Then you can explain this for our listeners who may not know. You've got Memphis style. I've heard St. Louis style. You're all these different styles. What are the differences? And why is Memphis style uh, become such a cult following in St. Louis for you at Pappy's? Well, I'll start with the differences. Kansas City style is typically served with wet barbecue sauce, that is. Uh, Carolina-style barbecue is typically going to be pork with a vinegar or a mustard sauce. And you head down to Texas-style barbecue, which they use a a lot of uh, beef and sausage, and that's cooked over uh, hickory, oak, mesquite, uh, a pretty uh, notable Taste sensation, if you will, for the mesquite. But we chose the Memphis style because basically what the flavor profile is, is our smoke and our rub. That's it. As we like to say, sauces on the side because there's nothing to hide. <laughs> so this was um, this was kind of a niche then for the St. Louis market 15 years ago. Uh, it, it did bring one notable difference is, yes, it's not sauce, and that was different. But as well as when we're, and this comes from doing competition, when we're out of food, we close the doors because we don't reheat anything. Everything is fresh for the day. That being said, you know, you would never go to a competition and submit reheated barbecue and the judge would laugh at you. And we try to impress our judges because they show up with money every day. (laughs) (laughs) And so do your customers. John Matthews from Pappy's Smokehouse in St. Louis at two locations. 3106 Olive Street in St. Louis. There's a location in St. Peter's. And, um, so is it um, is it sacrilege to to mix uh, sauce a wet sauce on a, on a dry rub on a Memphis style? Is that a big no? No, oh, not at all. No, not at all. We leave that option for the customers. As a matter of fact, we have four different flavors of sauce available. Um, I would make a recommendation to try the ribs before you even try any sauce because they don't even need it. But some of the stuff, such as the chicken and the uh, brisket and the pork, obviously some sauce is going to lend a little beneficial flavor to that. Yeah. So you've been doing this for a while. So you uh, you've got it down to a, a science to uh, to know how much to make, because like you said, once once it's gone, that's it. You shut down. Uh, right. Give our listeners uh, around the state of Missouri when they come to St. Louis and they're going to go to Pappy's. What's the optimal time to get there? Uh, 1030 a.m. and eat a light breakfast. <laughs> I say skip breakfast. We, we had a we had a very busy weekend this weekend with, between graduations and a parade and the Cardinals in town. It was uh it was a forty five minute wait average most of the day. Yeah, well you, you know you've had bands and when you go in there there's um, signatures on the wall. You've had bands, pro sport athletes from out of town teams come in. Uh, what's the the biggest name or uh, the biggest celebrity that was an honor for you to to walk through your door and say hey this was really good. I mean, I, I mean, we've had countless people here, whether you're idols or music people or sports people. We've had people from all over. I would say probably the most memorable time is when Henry Winkler was in town, the Fonz. He was in town for a, uh, I'll think of the name of the convention in a minute. But uh, he came in by himself 
and invited me over, and I sat and chatted with him for a half hour, 45 minutes. What a nice guy. That's what I hear. Yeah, that's what I hear. He is the nicest guy. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You have the Fonz walk through your door. So, it, I mean, you could spend uh, a good hour just staring at your walls, John. Yeah, we call that the Redneck Wall of Fame. <laughs> uh, we're talking with John Matthews from Pappy's Smokehouse. Uh, now, have you already celebrated or is your 15th anniversary coming up? It was February 4th of this year. Okay. So. We're a few months past. Yeah, okay. Well, Because I, I saw on your website you have a, 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 a Mash and Ash Missouri Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Was that to, to celebrate the moment? Is that still available? Tell me about that. Uh, we, it is still available, and I will say for a very limited time. At the time we are speaking, we started selling. We got 250 bottles out of this barrel from still 630. And when we started Wednesday... When we closed up yesterday, I think we were down to like five cases of six bottles each. So oh. we're we're on the last we're on the last leg of it. It's, it. It went fast. Yeah, it is going fast. Well, everything goes fast at Pappy's Smokehouse. Uh, it's great visiting and catching up with you. What do you have coming up? Uh, in any any special any specials or uh, uh, any events that you have happening? Yeah, well, this is barbecue season now. We're starting uh, Memorial Day weekend. We're going to be in Denver, so we head there shortly. The following month, we are going to be in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium for the Kansas City Barbecue Festival. Oh, that's and then in July, we head up to Chicago, head up to Chicago for the Windy City Smokeout. So the schedule's starting to fill up again for the summertime. Yeah. So how long have you been in these competitions or been traveling around the country? Uh, as Pappy's for about, well, 15 years, um, I've probably been doing it for another dozen before that, just doing it independently and was kind of honing our craft and collecting secrets and stealing ideas and sharing ideas. And collectively, I'd say there's probably 120 to 150 years of barbecue experience in our, in our recipes. Yeah. John, I was going to ask you that, where your inspirations came from and, and who's behind the great success of, of Pappy's you and, and I'm sure others, but who's, whose brainchild was it? Uh, my partner, Mike, founding partner, Mike, who is now humbly retired in Hawaii now. And, uh, our, uh, one of our original cooks, Skip Steele, who's down there doing his own thing in Jonesboro, Arkansas now. Wow. But those are the, between the three of us, we kind of put this all together, and as I said, countless, numerous little tips from other folks, which we've uh, seemed to have tuned pretty nicely due to looking at the lines we have. Yeah, and oh yeah, I know. And John, I've, I've talked to different barbecue people, and it seems like there aren't many, many secrets, and I'm sure people do have their own little secrets, but people are, for the most part, pretty open, it seems, about sharing some tips and, and helping along the way. So it's kind of a, a close-knit barbecue community. Is Absolutely. That and that, that that includes in the, uh, not so much the competition field, but the festival field. We we all, well, there's a lot of camaraderie between everybody. And I'm more than happy to, you know, walk customers through the kitchen and show them the smokers and explain how we do some of the different rubs and process. Of, and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to share that. From, I started as a backyard guy a long time ago, too. So I was in their shoes. Yeah. All right. Well, for the backyard guys that are getting ready for Memorial Weekend and they've got some friends and family coming over, what's a, a quick, easy, 
uh, piece of advice that you can give that uh, for somebody that maybe if they don't even have a smoker, just a grill, and they're gonna they're gonna do some meats. What's the what's the number one thing to think about? Uh, the number one thing I would recommend is temperature. Get yourself a decent thermometer. Uh, I'm a fan of ThermoWorks. Not that I'm plugging them for a commercial, but uh, get a good digital quick read thermometer because you can't tell what's going on inside the meat nearly as well as a thermometer can. Yeah. Great advice. John Matthews from Pappy Smokehouse. Congratulations on the success and the delicious food. I've been there a couple of times. Um, I'm certainly not a celebrity, so I don't sign your wall. But, <laughs> but uh, oh, we'll put one up. I, I enjoy, uh, but I enjoy coming, and uh, it's great to hear uh, the great things that you're doing. And best of luck with these competitions in uh, Denver, Kansas City, and Chicago. Well, great talking with you, and we'll uh, hopefully see you again soon. Yeah, John Matthews from Pappy Smokehouse in St. Louis, named Best Ribs in America by the Food Network and Best Barbecue in Missouri by Southern Living. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Put a frog in boiling water, and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As veterans, we tell ourselves the lie that we can handle anything. We let the water boil. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Here's Heather with the weather. Well, it's beautiful out there, sunny and 75, almost a little chilly in the shade. Now, let's get a read on the inside of your car. It is hot. You've only been parked a short time and it's already 99 degrees in there. Let's not leave children in the back seat while running errands. It only takes a few minutes for their body temperatures to rise and that could be fatal. Cars get hot fast and can be deadly. Never leave a child in a car. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. What I remember most is the loneliness I felt, the separation from other people. At the end, drinking was no fun for me. Since I've started to attend AA meetings, the greatest gift is that I've become reconnected. I'm part of life again. I really like myself, and that's wonderful. AA is a miracle in my life. Visit aa.org for more information and download the Meeting Guide app to find a meeting near you. They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit PetsAndPeopleTogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alicine can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. 
The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Back on Show Me Today, I'm Bill Pollock. Missouri has roughly 13,000 inmates who are released from prison each year and help get them on the right track. Missouri has become the first state in the nation to join Reentry 2030. Elisa Nelson talks to Annie Herman with the Missouri Department of Corrections. Today is really important because we are getting ready to really go into how we care for the clients um, that are incarcerated, and I think it's a great um kind of a statewide approach to show how the state of Missouri is behind these um, people that are releasing into Missouri. Um, You know, we're opening them into the community and into employment um, positions, and they're very needed in the community. I mean, our employee um, employment partners need employees, and we have a workforce inside of our facilities. So today, again, is very important just to to let the state know that we're welcoming um, our incarcerated citizens that are ready to release and are ready to work um, back into the community um, with the community that's going to support them. What did the turnout today say to you? The tur- I thought it was great, um, and it was a good representative um, representation of all the different parties that go into the success of the offender population. Um, we, you know, we had wardens from all of the institutions. We had um, district administrators from probation and parole offices. Um, the Department of Corrections as a, a whole is very behind reentry efforts, but just we can't do it by ourselves. So to see all the different community partners, um, the different state agencies and cabinet members that are here to support these clients too, because they're not just our clients, they're, um, you know, the citizens of Missouri. And so it was just nice to see the collaborative effort and again, the team teamwork behind everything. Um, So you have about 13,000 prisoners who leave each year. And as uh, the Missouri Department of Corrections director Ann Precise said today, roughly 97% of of the individuals in prison are going to leave prison. Mm -hmm. Do you have information about roughly how many organizations you currently work with to help people successfully return um, to society once they get out of prison and what that will look like um, as you embark upon this new journey? Well, I don't know how many exact partners that we have, but we have great partnerships across the state, um, especially, you know, in Kansas City and St. Louis and really our rural communities. We have some great community partners, but we always need to increase those resources in the rural communities. But really each community partner or each state agency kind of has its area of expertise. And so our big goal for reentry 2030 is really focused on employment. But when we talk about clients being gainfully employed, they have to have housing, they have to have mental health, um, access to mental health treatment, medical treatment. Um, They have to be able to work on their cognitive behavioral issues. They have to have reliable transportation. They have to have child care. So all of those things that go into the meaningful employment, um, you know, most community providers specialize in one of those things, the same with state agencies. So they might be great in housing or they might be a behavioral health provider. So just the magnitude of things that people need 
to maintain their employment and to maintain success just shows how many resources that we do need in the community and how much state um, partnership collaboration we do need because there's so many different elements, um, documentation. I mean, there's so many different things that go into being successfully employed. What message would you like to give to Missouri? Employers, organizations, mm -hmm. the general public, as far as um, what you really hope that they will keep in mind as people come out of prison? I think being open to giving people second chances. And if there is that hesitation, to reach out to myself or my team and ask those questions. Um, you know, get information about what we do inside of a facility, what education they have access to, what work training programs they have. Um, you know, ask the questions if there is hesitancy or if you're, if you're not you know, sure of the process or, you know, sure of things, um, or really what you can do, just reach out to us and not be afraid to ask those questions. And again, I think being open to, um, you know, those second chance opportunities. And then also, um, you know, just like, I think anybody that comes into your workplace, just know that there might be, um, you know, a technology barrier or this, you know, a different kind of barrier and be willing to kind of work alongside that employee to make them successful or um, give that person that housing opportunity. But again, really, if there is questions or uncertainty, just to ask um, and have a conversation about it. A part of this whole initiative um, is, is to have long-term employment. Mm -hmm. And so, are you, do you have a goal in terms of um, how many businesses to really help get behind this effort so that they are actually employing um, ex-offenders and, and giving them that second chance? Well, about five years ago, um, we've been the reentry unit has really been working with different employers and really kind of going back to those conversations, being willing to talk to employers to answer their questions about any hesitancy that they would have hiring someone um, recently out of prison. So over the past five years, we've been able to expand um, our lists and connections to about 300 employers in the state of Missouri that are open to hiring um, second chance employees. And so the governor um, in 2018 implemented the HOPE initiative, which is helping offenders pursue employment and so that's really been a good push um, but it really just starts with conversations I think again if and, and good experiences which when we do have people that are released from prison um, and they, they need to use what they've learned in prison and um, the different skill set and that you know journey for a new life they need to use that to help pave the way for other people coming out of prison because we can go and talk to the employers and open that door for them. But, um, you know, the, the tenacity and the success that they have kind of paves the way for other people, too. I think of organizations like, uh, what is it? Is it called Launch Code? Uh -huh. Okay, so uh, can you talk about Launch Code, yeah, Annie? of course. So Launch Code is a, a partnership that we've had with um, them for oh, maybe five or six years now. So it's been going on for quite some time. So they provide, um, they have, they give coding opportunities to people in the St. Louis and Kansas City region, um, kind of non-traditional students. And so they have been coming inside of our facilities again for the past five to six years to offer coding to the offender population. So with the help of, um, you know, we have some brilliant people that are incarcerated. So they were able to figure out how to take that coding program and make it offline so it's safe and secure. And so they have, um, they provide those classes at Missouri Eastern Correctional Center and at Algoa Correctional Center. And so that's been a phenomenal opportunity. And so they actually help link um, the people that complete the program to employment as well. And those are, you know, very 
great jobs and, and a job that's in need and um, very sustainable for them. And so that's been, um, we appreciate the partnership with Launch Code. Annie Herman with the Missouri Department of Corrections joining Show Me Today. I'm Elisa Nelson. We're talking about Missouri being the first state in the nation to join a national effort called Reentry. 2030 to uh, dramatically improve the successful outcomes of people leaving prison. Trey Dawson talked about, and I'm kind of going based upon, we were just talking about launch code, but Trey, um, one of the ex-offenders who spoke today, talked about um, just being able to type. So um, I'm, I'm curious if launch code or even program computer programs are going to expand even more throughout Missouri prisons. Yes. Well, currently, um, again, we have our partnership with launch code. We also have um, in 19 of our facilities, we provide education to anybody that does not have a high school equivalency. So it's state statute that if they come to us without that, we are going to help them achieve that while they're incarcerated with us. And so on top of that, we also have vocational programs. So we have a, um, so we have like welding, and um, cosmetology, uh, CNA program, but we also have like applied computer technology, we have business technology, and we have a customer service technology program. So those all give access to the computers um, as well as like the launch code program. But right now we're currently working on putting Chrome boxes in the facilities. And so what that does is gives um, the offenders the opportunity to, it doesn't, it does not access the internet. Um, and so it's safe and secure, but it gives them access to browse um, different resources and, you know, do a resume and it has a keyboard. And so they would be able to practice some of those skills. Um, but that definitely is a gap in services like where we had some people start the launch code program and like start our vocational programs, applied computer technology without ever really touching a computer. And so there has to be um, there's a there's a space between never touching a computer and being able to code that we still have to fill in. <laughs> so I'm hopeful with um, in the next couple of years to make sure that we are able to address some of those technology barriers. Annie Herman with the Missouri Department of Corrections. Thank you. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Back on Show Me Today, coming up Friday, I'm going to talk with Elisa Nelson and we'll talk about some of the bills that passed the Missouri legislature, some of the lesser known bills. Uh, for example, Albert Pujols Day, which will be January 16th of each year. And uh, I love this one. November 23rd of each year will be Casey Wolf Day. That's the <laughs> mascot for the Chiefs. I was at a Chiefs Raiders game, I'll never forget this, and a fan ran out onto the field and ran from a one end zone to the other, and there was Casey Wolf uh, waiting at the back of the end zone, and he's clapping his hands and kind of pumping his chest, and the security guards are chasing him. They tackle this guy in the end zone, <laughs> and then Casey just piles on and jumps on all of them. A great wrestling move. And then uh, stood up like he had uh, saved the day. Uh, just uh, So he deserves his own day, absolutely. So that's coming up later this week. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. I'm Bill Pollock. Thanks for listening. Show me today.